Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The dust has settled in Paris, and for the 14th time in history, Real Madrid have been crowned champions of Europe. There was to be no revenge for the 2017-2018 runners-up Liverpool as Los Blancos capped off a remarkable run. That began with a shock defeat to Sheriff and included knockout stage wins over PSG, Chelsea, and Manchester City by lifting the big-eared cup for the second time under Carlo Ancelotti's tutelage. Sadly, events outside of the stadium detracted from the spectacle between the lines. I've got a world-class panel of guests to unpack it all. The Kigo Lasso Champions League final recap begins right now. Listen, everybody, I'm not even going to do an intro. I'll get into the call to actions later, but welcome. We got Daniel Sturridge for the first 10 minutes. Jimmy Conrad's going to join. Jonathan Johnson's going to join. But Daniel, straight away, uh, commiserations, obviously. Liverpool lose 1-0 to Real Madrid. Real Madrid win their 14th, 14th Champions League title. Unbelievable. Carlo Ancelotti, the most successful manager in European competition. Give me just your initial thoughts about the game and how it ended and Real Madrid's amazing victory against Liverpool. I think the game opened up very well. Obviously, Liverpool you know, played well in the first half. They created a fair few chances, um, at least half chances as well. Um, and then as the game went on, Madrid grew more comfortable. And uh, the one goal was all they needed, really. The one clear-cut chance is all they needed, and they took it, and they defended well. Um, Courtois made some unbelievable saves as well. And um, in the end, you know, they showed that fighting spirit, that warrior spirit, that champion spirit, and they got the job done. Let me ask you a difficult question. We didn't really talk about it as much uh, in HQ in the post game, but would you say that this is a disappointing season for Liverpool or how would you characterize it? Obviously, they won the FA Cup, the League Cup. They took Man City to the last day of the season to try and get the Premier League title. It didn't happen. And now, Daniel, third final this season where they didn't score in 90 minutes and extra time, obviously, when it happened. But how would you characterize Liverpool's season now that they've lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League? Well, look, I think it's been a good season for Liverpool Football Club, successful. You know, they've, they've won two trophies. Of course, the two bigger trophies that they would have loved to have won, at least one of those, they haven't been able to do that, unfortunately, for myself and for the fans around the world of Liverpool Football Club. But they've played a lot of games. They've had to rotate the squad. They've missed players through the African Nations Cup. They've managed to fight on all cylinders and battle their way to these finals to take Manchester City to the last game and unfortunately not win the Premier League. So I think with the expectations on the outside, on Liverpool Football Club, in terms of the quadruple, I think that's what makes people think it's not a successful season. As well, of course, the players would, would of course, want to win one of those bigger competitions. But some of those players haven't won the FA Cup before. Some of them haven't won the Carling Cup before. 
um, the Capital One. So let me ask you something, so Daniel. Let's it's go back to the game. Well, and regarding I think Jürgen, Real Madrid the first time for a second, and we're just losing him for a moment. Are you back, Daniel? There he is. There he is. There he is. You hear me? I love it. I can hear yeah, you so now, buddy. What, what did you hear me until? I heard, just I want to go back on the game itself. Talk to me about players that actually impressed you. Obviously, Courtois was amazing. Would Courtois you say he was your? He was your man of the match? Fantastic. Yeah, man of the match for sure. Um, you know, he made some unbelievable saves, managed the time while, you know, catch the ball and lie down and all that stuff. The stuff <laughs> players hate, which annoys us, obviously, when you're trying to you're trying to get a goal back and the goalkeeper just catches it and then just drops down and you're like, geez, get up, man. So, you know, from, from that side of things, you know, it was it was an interesting game to watch. Vinicius was a threat. Um, you know, his runs in behind. Uh, Modric controlled the game very well, played some intricate passes. And Valverde was very good as well. Valverde, um, you know, I feel like he he managed the game while he kept Robertson pretty quiet. Um, and that was that was a, a big, big deal, you know, for the game. Um, Canate played well as well uh, for Liverpool. And I have to give him some credit. And Trent Alexander-Arnold, I think, played a really good game. Devastated towards the end yeah. of that game. Uh, he didn't do it. We're getting a lot of comments already right now. Madrid had a Cinderella story of a Champions League campaign. Crazy fun, says Stacey Beats. There was another comment about the managers. Carlo Ancelotti outmanaged. There you go, Raymond. Outmanaged Jurgen Klopp. What would you say to that? I wouldn't say that personally. You know, I think that Liverpool played well. And they unfortunately didn't take the chances that they created. Courtois was immense. And on another day, it could have been 3-1 or 2-1 to Liverpool. So, you know, I do believe that the game was a, was a very difficult game for both teams in periods of time. But they managed to get the job done. Real Madrid did and they deserved the victory in the end. Who's your man of the match from a Liverpool perspective? Uh, I'm sorry, from a Real Madrid perspective, not Courtois. I know that we mentioned some players, Valverde, but we have to highlight just how good, once again, Vinicius Jr., I mean, his escalation into this game, and not just this game, but the season, becoming more than just a Robin to Karim Benzema's Batman. He really has been tremendous, and he comes out with the winner. I mean, how good has he been, not just in the final, but in the lead-up to the final itself? He's been fantastic all season. Um, I've watched him play in a lot of games. He's been decisive. He's improved his finishing, which was um, one thing that he would have had to improve, one to take it to the next level. And he's done just that. He's, you know, he's become more clinical in front of goal. He's putting himself in positions to score, which is important. If you miss, it's not a problem. You know, you keep you pick yourself up, you go again. And um, I think today he was brilliant. He, he was a threat all night. And um, in the end, he made the decisive action and scored the goal. We got Daniel Sturridge here. Get your questions in. He's about to go. He's not here long because then Jimmy Conrad will come in and Jonathan Johnson. So we want to make sure that you throw in your... There's Jimmy Conrad! He's coming in in a minute. We're just giving Daniel a little bit of the limelight because it's been such a pleasure. Daniel, you were fantastic today on HQ. It was his debut in the studio. How did I you like it being with that. everybody? I, I enjoyed it, man. Um, you know, it was a great experience having banter with you guys. Um, going back and forth about takes and so on and so forth. Obviously, you called the victory for Liverpool, uh, for Real Madrid. Thank you, you know, Daniel. Talking yourself up, saying I owe you a beer, this, that, and the third. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's all good, though, baby. I'm going to get you back now. <laughs> Don't take it over with, baby. I got you. I, I just got to remember, Daniel Starries, that you owe me a beer, my friend. So you make sure you... Hey, mm -hmm. hey listen, by the way, and Jonathan Johnson is in the background listening, Daniel Sturridge... He's a Brummy, and he was scouted by Villa at age seven. So don't ever forget that. Hey, listen, Daniel Sturridge, let me ask you something. What does Liverpool do now in the summer? Because now, you know, we have to remember that this is now, 
Is it a restart thing for Jurgen Klopp? Do they need to focus on other players? Because, you know, they haven't, you know, okay, FA Cup, League Cup, but they haven't won the Premier League. And once again, they failed to win uh, the Champions League as well, even though successful enough, they made it to the final. Do you think you need a big transition or just a few key players? I think first things first, you know, get those contracts sorted out. That'll be the main priority for Liverpool is to, to get those players signed because that's the core group of players that have made the club successful in the past five years. So you want to keep those players. You want to have those players at the football club. And then whatever positions, the backroom staff, you know, Jürgen and his team, as well as the hierarchy, believe that they can bring in to help improve the squad and take them to the next level is what they're going to want to do. I think trying to do a rebuild based on pretty much one of the most successful seasons for Liverpool, when you look at what they've achieved this season, get into three finals, um, winning two, losing one, losing the title by one point. I mean, when you look at the season they've had, it's been unbelievable. So because of those two failures of not winning the Champions League and not winning the Premier League, people will forget how close they actually were and how much of a successful season the football they played, the goals they scored, They've been dominant for the best part of the season. And unfortunately for them, the big the big uh, game tonight, as well as the uh, Premier League game, they didn't get it over the finish line. But at the end of the day, Liverpool Football Club are in a great place. They, they don't need to go anywhere far-fetched now. They need to just continue doing what they're doing. And next season, they go again. There's a good question here. Ace of them spades. Does Mohamed Salah need to be renewed, really, or time to move on? What do you think? I mean, what would be the reason for him not being signed? Look at the numbers he's produced over the past three or four seasons he's been at Liverpool. The numbers are incredible. Goals and assists, he was joint top scorer this season and assists. I think um, over the past four seasons, he's been Liverpool's top scorer, bar one, if I'm not mistaken, when Mane was top scorer. So when you look at the numbers he's produced over the years and the trophies he's brought to the club, along with his teammates, he's been a vital component in Liverpool's success. So to let a player like that go, you know, it's it's going to be difficult to replace those goals. And of course, you can find players to do that. But Mohamed Salah is a, is a world-class player, you know, one of the best players in the world. So it's important for Liverpool to try and keep him. And I'm sure they'll, they'll resolve that um, in, in the near future. Well, Daniel Sturridge, before you go, one final question. Uh, what, you know, well, Sylvia, thank you so much. Let's ask this one. What does what do you think about both teams or substitutions? I remember sitting next to you in this game and we were saying, what is Ancelotti doing? Camavinga's not even in yet. And it was like, you know, 70 minutes, uh, 75th minute. And Rodrigo didn't come on until like the 85th minute. What did you make of the substitutions on both sides? I thought Real Madrid substitutions were quite late, to be honest. I thought that, you know, they would have made changes a little bit earlier to freshen things up in the midfield, to keep that momentum going, to keep that the pressing going, because Liverpool were putting them under a lot of pressure and were creating maybe not clear-cut chances, but they were putting them, you know, pushing them back, pushing them back. So it got to a point where it was like, we need some legs in here that can kind of win the ball back for us and then bring it forward and take the pressure off of us. I think Liverpool subs, they made similar substitutions most weeks, um, it's just the timing timing of those substitutions. But I didn't feel that Jürgen made any any mistakes by bringing any players on that he shouldn't have. I think he made the right choices. He went with the attacking options of um, Diaz, bringing on Naby Keita, obviously, to freshen things up in the midfield, and Bobby Firmino to try and score a goal or create one. So the substitutions he made were the right ones. And um, unfortunately for the players, again, you know, they didn't go out there and put the ball in the back of the net. But Bobby came on and was sharp. And the other two 
um, had an impact. So at the end of the day, you know, they're, they're going to feel kicking themselves when they get to the hotel tonight that they didn't get the job done. Well, I tell you something, a great finisher, a great playing career. My God, Daniel Sturridge, you are a great pundit, my friend. I love it. Thank you so much, Daniel Sturridge. Hey, get home safe, buddy. And you owe me a drink. I got a long, I got a long drive. <laughs> I got a long drive ahead, baby. Daniel Sturridge, thank you so much, man. Appreciate Give you guys, man. For for having Daniel. Me. Give me Thanks your celebration, me. buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. Much love. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Well, that was Daniel Sturridge. And in a second now, let's bring in Jonathan Johnson. And of course, come in with Jimmy Conrad. JJ, you've been so patient with us. You're still at the back of France. How are you, buddy? Give me your thoughts about the game. Real Madrid winning the 14th Champions League. Hey there, guys. Yeah, as much as I'd be, I'd love to be like wrapped up home in bed right now. Uh, can't get out of the stadium for love nor money, so uh, I'm stuck here with you guys. No, it was. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I probably wasn't the experience that I had hoped for 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 my first Champions League final. That wasn't down to the spectacle we saw on the pitch. Obviously, that's due to events, uh, you know, that were out of uh, you know most of our control in the stadium. Really unfortunate to to see scenes like that, and I have to say, it kind of set the tone in a really weird way. The the atmosphere was quite awkward. Uh, you know, the the Real fans. It, they they've been in the stadium for hours so it didn't really affect them as much but you could see <clears throat> there that the build up of liverpool fans came very very late uh towards the the beginning of the match just just about around kickoff time uh you know and i think that that did impact the the atmosphere certainly in the first half of the game but uh you know as daniel said fantastic performance from uh from courtois really really impressive i think he's finally uh, you know, showing why Real decided to dispense with the services of Kedon Navas when they did. Crazy to think that it's only Courtois' second Champions League final. Uh, and the first one came with Atletico Madrid and Real. So, you know, I think ultimately, I mean, I, I've, I've said it so many times this season that Real are, are kind of a team that are just milking uh, you know, they're the very last, you know, sort of juice from their, this this brilliant generation of players. Again, I, you know, I think that they're so close now to almost needing to, to rebuild this squad. But, uh, you know, now the, they failed to sign Kylian Mbappe. They've got more transfer money than they probably thought they'd have this summer. Perhaps it is a time for a rebuild. You know, I, at the end of the day, Real Madrid, you know, as, as impressive as this victory is, you know, 14th, you know, uh, unprecedented numbers uh, of titles in the Champions League. It doesn't really feel like a sustainable model. You know, there's only, you, you're not going to be able to rely on Courtois' brilliance every single game. Uh, and you're not going to be able to rely on Benzema's brilliance in, in every single match to get you, you know, from the first group stage game to the final. Uh, you know, we've seen that together, you know, that just about combines. Uh, you know, they've lived on the edge of their seat at times, uh, you know, but it has ultimately paid off. Kudos to to Carlo Ancelotti as well. I think man management really comes into its own uh, at this stage of a, of a competition. Uh, you know, and I think as well, with his experience, he probably would have seen scenes like that before, being able to keep the players calm when they had to come out and do the second warm-up before the match, uh, you know, and, and ultimately rode out what you know what, what was quite an awkward uh you know final uh in the end and and they produced a 
you know, they produced a, a solid performance. It, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said that I thought that Real were ultimately the better team because I thought Liverpool really should have scored at least once, uh, you know, especially in the first half when they had so many chances, uh, you know, Mane hitting the woodwork. But, but like we've said, you know, Courtois was phenomenal. You know, that really does rank up there as one of the epic performances. And I guess that would be my most positive takeaway from the, from the evening. You know, to, to witness that kind of greatness live is honestly, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, JJ, quickly before you go, uh, obviously you were mentioning how it didn't begin in the right way, right? Uh, so so much mayhem outside of this stadium. And you for initially blaming uh, the lateness of fans and traffic. You know, what did you make of it and, and how would you assess the way that UEFA handled it, especially after, you know, what happened at Euro 2020 final and even the problems that happened uh, you know, in the Europa League as well. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because it just seems to have almost exploded in the last year or so. Uh, you know, I don't remember us seeing those kind of problems that we saw at Euro 2020 that we saw here. Um, you know, I think it's going to take a bit of time before people can pick through the incident and really work out what happened. But I have to be honest, you know, just for, for where I've been able to, to take in this evening's events, it sounds like there is a fair amount of blame on all sides. It does sound like that there were ticketless fans trying to force their way into the stadium. It does sound like the policing of the stadium, uh, you know, was too sparse and then too heavy-handed. Uh, you know, it, it, all, it was almost like it should have been planned better, better organized. Uh, I think there was a lot of unhelpful finger-pointing as well from the likes of UEFA towards the local police. Uh, the police also not really being too helpful in sort of making out that it was due to some of the strike work, uh, you know, that, that, that went in uh, on the on the train side of things. I don't ultimately think that that really played into, uh, you know, the, the situation. I was with throngs of Real Madrid fans as they made their way into the stadium three hours before the game. So there was definitely a problem between, uh, you know, sort of the fans arriving with tickets and getting through the turnstiles and actually being able to, to access the stadium. But obviously the scenes that we've seen uh, on social Social media, really not what you want to see, and obviously very worrying for for Paris, uh, the city, given that it's going to be the Olympic host uh, in 2024 as well. Not uh, a good audition, uh, you know. And I'm sure that there will be, uh, you know, more sort of finger pointing and uh, and statements made over the the coming hours, and we'll see how that plays out. But uh, you know, it it is worrying uh, that we're starting to see a rise of this sort of thing. We've seen. Stadium problems, uh, you know, of different types in French football over the course of the season. And then given what we saw at Euro 2020 as well, you know, this is something that is really now going to have to be, uh, you know, tackled, uh, you know, by, by by venues organizing, you know, one-off centerpiece matches like this, but also tournament uh, organizers as well. You know, we're, we're going to a World Cup at the end of this year. You know, fans take that sort of behavior to, to somewhere like Qatar, where all of the supporters are going to be upon each other more so than ever. Uh, you know, that really could be a recipe for disaster. So fingers crossed that, you know, security really uh, steps up over over the re re remainder of this year uh, so that we don't see any more repeated scenes like this. Well, to your point, Jonathan Johnson, let's hope that you yourself get home safe. So let's let you uh, get home safe. And, and thank you so much for all the hard work you did today and, of course, on the course of the season. But it's not over for you and Kego Lasso. We just keep rolling over here. So make sure uh, that you take care of yourself, my friend. Make sure that James Bench is fine as well. But JJ, thank you so much, buddy. Thanks a lot, my man. Always a pleasure and uh, looking forward to the next one. Take care.
All right, that's JJ from Stade de France. He will be heading home, but make sure to follow his content from John underscore Legossip. All right, we're going to, before we take a break, let's bring in Jimmy Conrad, who is Jimmy, what did you do with Daniel Sturridge, buddy? You know what? We uh, had a couple bro hugs. We talked about how great we were on camera today and uh, the fact that uh, Liverpool couldn't get the job done. But uh, obviously, a, a big honor for me to spend some time with not only you, LME, but Daniel Sturridge. That was a pleasant surprise to have him join the team with us for this big game. And um, now I feel like I've got a new friend. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Hey, Jimmy. Let's talk about your initial thoughts about the game itself. And I guess a question that we haven't even brought up, actually, because, you know, there were many moments in this game, Courtois aside, where, you know, it was definitely an arguable thing. Like, for example, Kareem Benzema's goal. What did you make of that, the disallowed goal? Should it have been disallowed? Uh, that's a difficult one for me. When I spoke at halftime on CBS Sports HQ, I just said I wasn't smart enough to really understand the rules. <laughs> Me neither, buddy. So so we brought on Christina Uncle, who's our resident uh, referee expert. And she's like, well, in chapter 11 or rule number, I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I went to college. I didn't graduate. I was in the back doing crosswords and stuff. So, you know, I, I valued her opinion. It, it really came down to from what she mentioned that because Fede Valverde made a play on the ball and he made enough of the play on the ball to push that ball forward, to take a shot or whatever it is, then the, then the deflection from Fabinho was unintentional ultimately. And he wasn't trying to meaningfully play to Benzema, not like he would in any other universe. And so it, it really kind of gets down to interpretation. And when she first went on, I th she went on CBS Sports on Paramount+. Plus. And I think she said that that should have been a goal. But then I think after she had some time to look at it and maybe canvas some opinions from some of her cohorts in the referee world at halftime, she said that they actually made the correct call. But let's be honest, ball doesn't lie, right? They still get the goal. Real Madrid had had Liverpool won that game. I think we'd be talking about a lot of controversy right now. But because Madrid ended up getting the goal and it ended up being the game winner, then we don't have as much to talk about with that particular play. But my overall thoughts, LME is that once Liverpool didn't score in that first 20, 30 minutes when they had their run, kind of similar to a lot of their games, and if they do score in there, then they, they seem to be in control. The other team starts to chase, they have to open up, and then Liverpool can hit you on the counter. But once they didn't do that, and that's what Real Madrid does, they just lull you to sleep, They don't take the other team doesn't take their chances, then you know they're going to get that one, and they, they did. And uh, even though I still think it's a shot from Fede Valverde, you're told if you're going to miss a shot, to miss it to the back post so that somebody like a Vinicius Jr. can be there at the right place at the right time, crashing at the back post. So Madrid doing what they had to do. It's, it's, it's incredibly impressive. And I have one fun fact for everybody. I have, to, I have to read it out loud. This is from Dermot Corrigan, uh, a friend of mine. In last 21 years, La Liga teams have played in 17 Champions League or Europa League finals against non-Spanish teams. And they won all 17 of those. Isn't that insane? That is, is insane. And shout out to La Liga for, for that type of dominance in Europe because that is that is ridiculous. It, absolutely insane, but it makes complete sense. By the way, everybody, that question is to you. Was it the correct call regarding that Karim Benzema disallowed goal? We're already seeing some comments about how even though it was disallowed, it shifted the momentum into Real Madrid's 100%. way, which is a very good point as well and here you have it los blancos take the third meeting 2022 this time that we just saw one nothing against liverpool they defeated liverpool in the quarterfinals uh, i'm sorry in the final 
2018, but they also beat them last year in the quarterfinals as well. Yeah. And it wasn't until 1981 when Liverpool actually did it the other way around. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, a little bit more with Jimmy Conrad. It's just Jimmy C and me. And then we'll answer some more questions. And that should be it because it's actually been the longest day of mine and Jimmy's life. So, But we'll take a break <laughs> after we come back. Much more Champions League final recap. See you in a little moment. Till then. Welcome back, everybody. King Olasa, Champions League recap. Jimmy Conrad in the house. Hello. LME. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, everybody. I know Des Norris. I'm about to give the Paramount Plus give a boat, but I have a very big surprise for everybody. Come on in, Poppy Miller. <laughs> Poppy. Poppy Miller. Wait, I need to move my big head so she's like coming in. There you go. Poppy Miller in the house. A tremendous. Hey, listen, everybody. Poppy Miller has just finished a tremendous season. Serie A, Champions League. Crushing she's it. And guess, Poppy, why don't you tell everybody what you're about to do? I am about to go to the airport. I'm going to watch the Mighty Reds play tomorrow at Wembley against Huddersfield. I'm so nervous already. The Uber's about two minutes away, so I'm going to have to dash. But I wanted to say goodbye to my guys and thanks for a fabulous season. Poppy Miller, who's going back to England to see the Tricky Trees. Woo! Nottingham Forest. Bye, Poppy. Have a fantastic Bye, Poppy. Flight. Safe travels. She's taking the red eye. She might not come back if, she, if, if Nottingham Forest make it to the Premier League. I don't know. It might, it might be... It might be a tough one, but Nottingham Forest, by the way, um, playing Huddersfield on Monday. But let's get back on Sunday. I'm sorry. Let's get back to the Champions League final recap. Hey, everybody, before we get into that, a Paramount Plus giveaway that we're giving away. $100. I love those. I lo Do you like them? Hey, but you, do, never, you never win it, Jimmy. Why don't you ever win it? Bud? I don't know why. I think because producer Des never picks me. It's really... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, uh, Poppy, Poppy, by the way, is doing some crazy things in this studio right now. Hey, listen, Paramount Plus $100 giveaway card. Make sure that to tweet Kegolasso Pod, send in your handle, $100. All you're going to do is do P plus, and we'll select uh, a winner. Des Norris will select a winner. We've already given a few away. We also have a merch store as well. You just got to go to the description. There's a link in the description. Kegolasso snapbacks, hoodies. All you have it right there. All right, let's get back to the Champions League. Let's do it. Real Madrid winning 1-0 against Liverpool. Their 14th title. Unbelievable. This is some player ratings, Jimmy Conrad. Okay, wait, 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 where do you want to start? This is really easy. Who was your man of the match? Oh, come on. I mean, everybody, if you say Thibaut Courtois, or don't say Thibaut Courtois, <laughs> I, I might, I don't know if I can be friends anymore with any parts <laughs> of the audience. I just don't know who else you could elect that really stood out and had such an influence and impact on the game. The saves that he made, when he made those saves, he mentioned, we, we saw an interview with him after the game where he thought his most important save was the one against Mane in the first half because had Liverpool scored then, it would have given them that boost of confidence that they needed. Now, obviously, the one against Salah in the second half, they had the lead. It was important as well, but he just felt like that one against Mane was more important. I think everybody, in some ways... I think that Madrid had, and we talk about this a lot on In Soccer We Trust podcast, another one you guys should check out. But, but we talk about if, if a team is going to do well and have success, then you need a lot of your players to play seven or eight out of ten. And I thought that Madrid had a lot of seven or eight out of tens. Not to say that Liverpool didn't have that, but they just lacked maybe a little bit of that quality that we've seen from them when they have their best performances. If both of those teams had played to their potential, I feel like Liverpool would have been the winners for sure. That uh, for sure sounds pretty certain but I, I just think they had the quality to make that happen but one thing we haven't really discussed we didn't talk about it in the post game show either LME so I want to get your thoughts 
But I thought Fede Valverde, let's leave the half shot, half cross aside. By stacking him up with Carvajal, we knew that Carvajal was going to be identified as a weakness on that right side, that that Luis Diaz or Sadio Mane, whoever sat out there, was going to probably have the advantage over a Carvajal who doesn't look as sprightly and young as he once was. Though I thought he played pretty well today. But because Fede Valverde was in front of him, and we saw a play, I believe, in the second half, where somebody tries to run at Carvajal, and Fede Valverde's like puts on his roadrunner shoes and like gets behind Carvajal to make sure he covers Luis Diaz. And and I thought that that limited Luis Diaz's impact on the game. So Fede Valverde really had an influential part on and and the goal being scored, of course. And then also defensively, I just thought and slowing down Luis Diaz for maybe picking up the ball that he wants or always having two players to get through when he does pick it up. I thought that was a pretty bold stroke of tactics from Carlo Ancelotti when Rodrigo had been so hot. The fact that Rodrigo didn't come on until like the last 30 seconds or whatever really speaks to how highly he rated his starting team because I don't think he made any subs until, what, the 82nd, 83rd minute, which was pretty yeah. surprising given how well Camavinga had been when coming in for Cruz in earlier knockout round games. So anyway, I'm starting with Thibaut Courtois and going off an absolute tangent on everybody else. But, <laughs> but I wanted to get your thoughts on player ratings as well because I just don't know who else – could really be considered as man of the match. And, and UEFA gave Courtois the man of the match as well. No, he's clearly the man of the match. You can't argue against that. He he gave one of the most historic performances a goalkeeper has ever done in a Champions right. League final or in any final. There's no doubt about it. Man of the match. I got to be honest. I, I, I think that when you look at this Real Madrid performance, you know, part of the reason why it was pretty frustrating for Liverpool and for many neutral fans was because as a team, they got the job done. Eder right. Militao, I thought, right. was fantastic. Militao was so good alongside Alaba, of course. But Danny Carvajal, Jimmy Conrad, was tremendous. Well, it's probably because our expectations were low. Elvin. Yeah, that's true. We didn't expect much of Danny Carvajal, and I thought he was fantastic. So much so that Luis Diaz really didn't do anything. Fede Valverde, no. to your point, such an engine, which is why we were arguing with Daniel Sturridge in the pregame how he deserves to start because he's going to, at the very least, make it very quiet for somebody like Andy Robertson to do his thing. But to your point, not only did he do that, Luis Diaz really had a quiet game. And it wasn't it wasn't because Luis Diaz is not a performance-driven player. It's because Valverde and Dani Carvajal made it very difficult for them. It was a very impressive right side of the field yes. for Real Madrid. A hundred percent. I mean, there was a plan in place for sure. I mean, that's why I don't think Ancelotti wanted to make any subs because the plan was working. So why go in there and interrupt it, especially when you get the lead and, and how hard you fought for that lead to now hand it over to somebody else that maybe isn't into the flow of the game in the same way. I thought it was interesting that he waited that long, given the success of some of the subs in previous games, as I mentioned. I do want to give a shout out to Casemiro because... I thought he did a lot of the thankless work as he usually does. He didn't get too crazy with his dark arts. I thought he made some really vital tackles in front of the back four to make the game a little bit more predictable for his center backs so that they know where he's pushing the ball. They know where passing lanes he's stepping inside of. So, you know, Liverpool are very good at those little one twos at the top of the box and Casemiro is just around. He's a pest. He block, he, he breaks up so many plays that I almost feel like as much as we were undervaluing what Carvajal could bring to the table today, we just maybe take Casemiro for granted because he does so much of the work. And I thought that the, you know, most of the, what's a cliche that games are won and lost in midfield in a lot of different ways. I thought the midfield canceled each other out, but I do remember Definitely. Casemiro making some tackles like those kind of backtracking. Did he get Luis Diaz aren't looking, you know, they're kind of coming from the side and breaking up plays and it's Jimmy, hard. Did, did they book him? 
I don't think he got booked. That's amazing in itself. It is. Well, it's not, and, and it is and it isn't because he's such a master at, at like dodging yellow cards. But we're looking at the full-time match stats right now. And the fact that Liverpool had expected goals of 2.1 and Madrid had 0.9 pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Now, I went out there and said on TV that I thought that Liverpool would win 2-1. to one, And if the goddamn expected goals would have hit, I would have been a, I would have been an absolute champion right I now. Know. But who was the only one that picked Real Madrid? You did, and 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 I I appreciate you that you did because sometimes emotion and vibes, which is what Real Madrid had, and and rode that wave into the final, is is what you need. And and when we heard from Modric after the game, we heard from Carlo Ancelotti after the game. They really talked about the character of this team. And this Modric has won five. Five Champions League trophies. It's unbelievable. It's and ridiculous. By the, by the way, Fabrizio Romano just reported that uh, great news for Real Madrid. Luka Modric has signed a new contract until June 2023. Full verbal agreement was reached two months ago. So it's now also signed and completed. So, you know, official statement is the only thing that's pending. Luka staying for at least until June 2023. I love that. I love that. It settles him, obviously, in the World Cup for Croatia. He knows where he's going to be. He doesn't have to go to a new club. I think that Madrid have done some good things in terms of transitioning players. I look at Marcelo in particular, where he was such a vital part of that team for so many years, and then he wasn't. And, and it's not easy to see one of your older players that you love and care for not be the same type of guy. But I think they've done that with a lot of respect, especially as it pertains to Marcelo. And I could see Luka Modric doing the same, where he's still a vital component, whether he's getting those minutes or not. We saw it with Xavi and Iniesta at Barcelona. It's just tough when you have your guys uh, who've been such a core of your team for, what, five, eight, ten years? I mean, Marcelo's been there forever and uh, and was arguably at his peak the best left back in the world. And so I feel like there's a similar plan here for Modric. And, and I think that's great news, especially as he starts to give his influence and, and expertise to Camavinga and Fede Valverde and, and the next wave of guys that are going to be representing Real Madrid. By the way, uh, you know, also Florentino Perez was asked about Mbappé and he said, Mbappé, he does not exist tonight. It's Real Madrid party. It's a thing of the past. Nothing has happened. Real Madrid had a perfect season. And listen, I got to say something. We, we asked it, right? Who yes. needs this more? And Real Madrid needed it more. And obviously not all of it is because of Mbappé and not getting him, but a massive factor, especially for somebody that needs the focus of reputation as much as Florentino Perez, needed to be a Real Madrid victory in order for him to say something like that. Because And, and actually perfectly concluded for Florentino Perez because you, and this is something that I've said for like two weeks now, you never needed Mbappé because you have somebody like Vinicius Jr. who is just escalating himself into such a tremendous player. You, you do. I, I think that Mbappé kind of could see that for what it's worth too. I mean, he referenced a sporting project. I don't know what he's going to get from that with PSG outside of signing old superstars, which feels like a very MLS move of PSG to, to do that or, you know, MLS 1.0. I think they're making obviously a lot more smarter signings uh, as they go forward. But I'm curious about the sporting project that they have because it seemed like Madrid was a nice stepping stone or a nice, like maybe final destination for him, right? He could have played there six, eight years, uh, won a couple of Champions League trophies. And now, I don't know. I, I honestly feel like really quickly about Mbappe, and I agree with Florentino Perez, which I don't say often or ever, but, but this is about Real Madrid. But I will say very quickly, I think they said... You can go win a Champions League or have a great chance at it with Real Madrid 
and you'll be part of a collective. Or you could be the guy here at PSG in your hometown, bringing us our first ever Champions League trophy. And we'll, we'll let you go in three years, but let, let us have the next three. Let's see if we can do it. And I think that's what got him. I honestly think it's like that being the guy that brought PSG their first Champions League trophy has got to be really appealing. Anyway, that aside, Florentino Perez is kind of talking some trash here because after Real Madrid lost to PSG in leg one of the round of 16 in Paris, which was a really listless 90 minutes from them, 1-0, they should have lost by more than one goal. Uh, Kylian Mbappe had to score very, very late to make that happen. The board of Real Madrid were so disgusted with how the team played. They were considering firing Carlo Ancelotti after that game. That's right. I mean, so as much as Florentino Perez says, oh, it's a perfect season. Get the hell out of here, dude. It wasn't a perfect season. It was you're a lot to, of drama. You're ready to I, throw that guy into the basura, you know? Yeah, so, and I, I love how – I love that Carlo Ancelotti was once asked, I think it was this season, like what is – you know, what's your job? What's your objective? What's your overall objective, you know, within this team, do you think? This team of stars, this, this huge team with massive expectations. And his answer was – I just want to make the president happy. Just keep him happy over and over <laughs> again, and and that's that's kind of part of of the of the narrative of of Real Madrid, who, by the way, tweeted the finals are not played; they are won, and and mm. I think that's everything about you know what what happens with Real Madrid. What happens in the transfer window for Los Blancos? Do you think? Well, I think it continues to solidify them. Antonio as... Rudiger is on his way. We know Rudiger's that. coming in, which I think is interesting because I like Ferlan Mendy. So Militao obviously has emerged. He's now a Champions League winner. I mean, all these guys that maybe you didn't believe in that Carlo Ancelotti, who is a player whisperer, by the way, seem to have got these guys playing to their potential. Rudiger seems like surplus goods. Now, obviously, he's a tremendous signing. He's only 29, going to have a couple good years for you at that center back position. But I actually kind of feel for Militao, who might have to make way because you could have Rudiger at uh, the right center back position, Alaba there, and then Mendy. Or you could have Mendy out and all about take it's just kind of i mean it's a good problem to have if you're a madridista but but i honestly think they need to figure out a right back position they need to figure out lucas vasquez isn't the answer there fatty valverde is better used elsewhere carvajal is getting older he's starting to get more injury prone so the right back is is an interesting one i know they're in for two from from monaco that would be an interesting signing for them because they don't need to play him right away very similar to camavinga even though his talent is obvious they could ease them into that as they ease out Cruz and Modric and eventually Casemiro as well. I think that Rodrigo is going to kind of, I, I, if I was going to make a bold prediction, Elamy, Rodrigo, I think, is on the precipice of having a Vinicius Junior-like season next year. Which is scary. It's scary because now Vinicius is only going to get more confident, just scored the game winner in the Champions League final. Uh, Benzema continues to age like fine wine. But I also think that they might need to start looking for a number. Can I, as can well. I tell you something, Jimmy? I yeah, think sure. that they should put, and Chelsea fans are going to hate me. They should put all their might into getting Reese James. I think. Like, I heard that he's an option. I heard that as well. That, that would be a tremendous asset as well. And by the way, we're asking all of you out there the same question: What is Real Madrid, or what should be Real Madrid's transfer plans now? Kylian Mbappé is not going. Who cares? You have a Champions League title, Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo. Well, to Jimmy's point. Who else would you think could could make? I mean, Schumann is 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 fantastic, but you know, I think they still want to make a statement as well with this. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think as good as you know, Danny Carvajal was or whatever, getting somebody like Teresa James' stature would really signify a massive point for Real Madrid. Well, also you have to take into consideration the wages that they're saving by not paying Kylian Mbappe, Correct. right? So they have, and they've been saving. They've been sitting on this money. They they're going to probably. You know, Eden Hazard, I know that Ancelotti said they're going to keep him. 
I'm curious. What if, what if, what if all of a sudden he has a renaissance? Now you got, you got something on your hands here. Gareth Bale's on his way out. You're going to start to have some money to play with. And, and that's a scary proposition. This is a team that won La Liga and the Champions League. And if everybody continues to stay healthy, you got Courtois, you're adding Rudiger, Benzema. Hey, Real Madrid fans, Jimmy. Uh, Stacey Beat says, we need a backup striker and you need a right back. Well, we you know talked what? about the right back. Say, so what about the backup striker? Backup striker, I think, is interesting because Benzema is very unique. It's going to be hard to find someone that that does what he can do. But I almost reference what Milan did with, with Giroud and, and Zlatan, where maybe you just go get some experience next year and and – just look to see who the next kind of young player. I mean, Vlahovic obviously goes to, to Juve. That would have been an interesting one, Vlahovic. But somebody that's mobile like that. I mean, I think that system works better when you have a mobile number nine that can do the things that Benzema can do. And I think any system would be great if you had Benzema in it, of course. But but if they had a, a, you know, a stagnant number nine who doesn't do a couple different things and is only good at one thing, I don't think that's going to help Madrid. And they've had that. You know, Luka Jovic didn't really pan out. Mariano Diaz hasn't really panned out. Um, just grab Edinson Cavani. I don't know. You know, Cavani's not an interesting. That's not. That's not a bad shout. I mean, they're they're. Even if it's just for one season. I mean, right, the other right, one that right. I, the other one that I was thinking about, which which obviously won't happen, but maybe if they hijack it and if Lewandowski's happy with it. But how about him coming in? I mean, Can you he's imagine. Not, he's not going to be happy to to just sit on the bench because Karim Benzema is still going to be dominating. But th- this is a, a good opportunity for him to at least show what he can do and and maybe get some rest in between matches. What about what about Darwin Nunez? No, that's a great call. I mean, I, I mean, I think he actually fits that bill a little bit, to be yeah, honest. He, I, I assume yeah. everybody beat me to that in the comments, but and they have the money. I mean, not to say they were gonna have to pay for Mbappe, he would have been free, but but and Nunez gonna be pretty expensive, I think, all things considered. But that is an interesting player that you could bring in. The problem is Benzema, and I think Mbappe knew this too. Benzema's not gonna, I don't think he's slowing down. No. He, so, so okay, yeah. you, you sign and you put a lot of money into Nunez, but then what? You, you, you're probably not going to have a lot of minutes for I know, so Darwin Nunez, and Darwin Nunez doesn't want to be a number two to anybody at this no, point. No, of course. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. Hey, uh, Kylian, uh, Kylian, sorry, Kareem Benzema, Ballon d'Or winner, right? I think it, yeah, I, I, it's, if he would have scored in the final, like if that goal would have stood in the first half and he would have been the match winner, I mean, it just would have been hand him the trophy now. Not to say that he won't. I think we're really, really close to that. But he didn't have that that cherry on top just yet. So but still, though, tremendous season. No, what does course, everybody course, think, course. by the way? Uh, I mean, usually if you win the Champions League, you win your domestic league, and you're the star and the reason why that team had that type of success, then, yeah, I think you're probably the favorite. That's a question for everybody out there, by the way. Karim Benzema, Ballon d'Or winner, what do you think? All right, um, let's move on to Liverpool before we finish and say Shoot. goodbye here. Um like we said, listen, three finals, no goals, uh, which is a little alarming, I think. Where do you think, by the way, well, first of all, how how should Liverpool's domestic uh, cup double season be remembered? Uh, you know, do you think it's a failure, a success? No, no, no. no. Fail, failure's strong. Uh, I don't think it's a success. I think that, I think you're satisfied. I think when it's all the dust settles, you'll be satisfied with the season. You're not necessarily happy. You probably have a, an air of disappointment because of how close you were to uh, a record quadruple. But, yeah, I mean, not having any goals in 270 minutes in cup finals and having to win in penalties twice against Chelsea, and that that speaks to something. I, I don't know what it is exactly. Now, Chelsea, notorious, under, especially under Thomas Tuchel, to break down are not easy. 
So that wasn't too surprising that they had zero zero results. But did they have someone that stepped up in that big moment that we've seen with Kareem Benzema as a, as an example, who just didn't matter how the team was playing, he was going to take on the responsibility and hit the back of the net. We saw enough there. I mean, Thibaut Courtois. It's funny because we're trying to break it down and and really get into all this. And all you really can say is, hey, they ran into a hot goalkeeper. What the hell are you going to do? You know, and and when you look at those three games, those three cups where they don't score any goals, we could argue Courtois and Mendy are probably the two best goalkeepers in the world right now. And that's just unlucky. When we look at their expected goals, they should have hit the back of the net and didn't. So they're going to be disappointed, obviously. But uh, I think when, when if there's you know, another month or two has passed, there might be a little bit of bitterness, but overall, I mean, I thought they had the best starting lineup that they could put out there. The performance overall, they had the possession. Uh, when we had James Benjon after on HQ, he said it was pretty one-sided that Liverpool were all over him. The press was working. But yeah, Madrid- he's always saying that. Uh, listen, yeah, that's true. He's he's very uh, pro Premier League. The but, things uh, I have, I mean, listen, the Premier League is my favorite league, and I'm also pro Premier. But I have to calm him down every single time. And listen, James Bench, I love you, but on Kegolaso, every single time, PSG, Chelsea, Man City, every time you were like. This is it for Real Madrid. Sure. Yeah, well, he he said it again. He said it again in the final. And I said, and I said, I said, listen, the, the, the narrative of this Champions League has been you can't kill Real Madrid. You can't. thrown it once what, again. What you can, but you have to, well, even if you score early, they're actually more comfortable when you give up, exactly. give up a goal. Exactly. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But but Liverpool really, for them, for, for them as a team, they needed that. They needed that goal. And uh, Courtois just made the timely saves, which, uh, as we discussed earlier, is vital if you're going to win any co- you know competition of consequence. What makes me a little bit worried for for Liverpool, and I think you asked uh, Daniel Sturridge about it, is what's next for them because well, they have... right now is asking that question. What would you guys think Liverpool should add to this squad? What 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 what's next for Liverpool? First of all, there's contract negotiations to deal with uh, there, Jimmy. Yeah. Contract. There's Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. And then uh, to add to that question, Jimmy, what do they do above all that? Well, I would say that I was really impressed with Kanate. I thought he was very good today. And uh, one of the cool parts about watching a Champions League game with a team, or excuse me, a player that, a former player that used to play for Liverpool and for both managers today and Daniel Sturridge, we got to pepper him with questions off camera. And he had mentioned that Liverpool's people think that Konate is the best athlete they have in their whole squad, which I was like, damn, all right, that's some that's good crazy. info. You know? so With Trent Alexander-Arnold in there, that's insane. It's insane. So, I mean, you have the, the pieces in place, that back line, which is, I would say, if you're going to look at any team around the world, even the best ones, even Madrid, the back line is always, there's always one player. You're like, mm, one of these things is not like the other, you know, but, but Liverpool have that locked down. Tiago injury prone. Is he, I think he'll be around for another year. I don't know his contract situation. Fabinho's getting older. Milner and Henderson getting older. Uh, Nabi Keita doesn't seem like he's really kicked on to be the guy that they think he gets hurt a lot too. I know they got Reese Jones and Harvey Elliott and they got some other players. I think there's maybe some room to add another midfielder. And then um, I would say you might want to go look for a, like a proper number nine. We see it with Man City sometimes too. Maybe even Liverpool could have helped. Maybe, and I love Bobby Firmino, but just just to have an option off the bench that's just some big guy that can hold up balls and just when you need to dump the ball or you need to whip in crosses because you're getting that desperation, you, you need to have somebody that can that can finish it. I think Liverpool have to make moves because we have Manchester City signing Erling Haaland. That's just going to make them, well, in theory and on paper, more dominant because now they kind of have that last piece to unlock everything. 
still, the proof's in the pudding. They have to go out there and play and execute. There might be uh, too many egos for one ball, but we'll end up seeing. But I think Liverpool have to do something to kind of match that ambition, or at least it feels like they do. So it just depends if they keep Sadio Mane, who's been rumored to go to Bayern, Mo Salah, what's his situation? So I think they have some questions that need to be answered. I don't think there's any glaring weaknesses that they need to improve upon, but I think that they, looking forward, I think they need to find some like a central midfielder, probably a proper number nine, and then what they're going to do when Sadio Mane and or Mo Salah. Yeah, there are a few things that just need to be supplemented. I think Jude Bellingham would be great for Liverpool. And he loves Liverpool, by the way. Yeah, so there you have it. There's one. And I think actually Jonathan David would be very good for Liverpool. It's not a bad shout. But, you know, this is a Liverpool side that has the ingredients, like you said. They just need a little bit more if they really want to compete. Because to your point, Man City are coming with Erling Haaland and Julian Alvarez, who scored six goals. Dude, I forgot. Dude, it's that, just he's, listen, I don't think people appreciate Julian Alvarez. I'm a Boca Juniors fan, so I say this like between gritted teeth because he plays for River Plate and they're hated rivals. But Julian Alvarez is an incredibly special player. He's amazing. And... and if City hadn't signed Holland, they would have been fine with Julian. The guy now is, it's just stupid. Yeah, now it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, City yeah. City are uh, completely a cheat code at this point. Yeah, signing Holland, I sealed that deal. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, we are done. Before we say goodbye, Jimmy Conrad, my friend. In what so- a season, we- huh? This is so- what, our third year, second or third European season together. Yeah, with the pandemic I feel, one, I feel like it's twenty, Jimmy. Me and you. I've been. Like- it's it's been great. I I love the K Golasso. Audience, I love doing this with you, LME, and everybody else, our cast of characters, and uh, please invite me back soon. Oh, are you kidding me? Of course. <laughs> and don't forget, by the way, in soccer, we trust Jimmy Conrad as well, so it's going to be a busy we got one. big games coming up, everybody. In soccer, we trust. We're U.S. soccer focused. Come hang out with us. Who's got up big next? Games. Morocco, June 1st right? against Morocco. Yeah. June 8th against – no, no, I think it's before that. June 5th against uh, Uruguay, and then we have Nations League games, Granada and El Salvador, so – Lots of games, big windows. This is like the last big window for all the national teams. We'll get two more international games in September, and that's it, leading into the World Cup, which sounds kind of crazy that you only have six more games, and we have to decide who our roster is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Peru has a little game coming up. As that's well. true. Good luck. Good yeah. luck on that. Hey, by the way, Jimmy will be part as well. Uh, we're going to do a – we're doing a lot of World Cup videos on Kegolasso, and obviously we have to preview the groups. And when that group is finally decided – because there is still obviously a playoff game for that one between uh, Scotland, Wales, Ukraine. Once that is decided, we'll make sure to to have Jimmy as well to have a conversation there. But Jimmy Conrad, such a pleasure, my friend. In fact, Jimmy is only about 20 feet away from me, but we have to do this in separate rooms. So we're going to be hugging it out after this. Jimmy flew all the way to the East Coast from the West Coast to be part of the HQ team as well as doing this. Jimmy, a pleasure, my friend. Take care of yourself, buddy, and make sure that you get home safe. Thanks, Luis Miguel Achigaray. Shout out to producer Des as well, Jonathan Johnson, James Benj, the whole crew, Michael LaHood. I love all you guys, and I love the community that uh, we have built. It's it's tremendous. Absolutely. Jimmy, thank you so much. He's at Jimmy Conrad. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram. One last message. Paramount Plus, $100 giveaway. Just tweet Gigolasso Pod. Write P Plus, and we'll select you, and you have a $100 gift card for Paramount Plus. All right? Jimmy Conrad. LME, Des Norris, thank you so much. You've been an absolute king all season as well. Hey, Kegolasso doesn't stop. Never We're stops. We're back on Monday for some Fabrizio Romano, some World Cup content, some playoffs, so much. And since soccer we trust as well. We love you all. Make sure to follow us, Kegolasso Pod, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. Have a fantastic weekend. See you next time. Till then.